Welcome to Consulting Growth Hour with me, Fahim Musa, where I break down key growth concepts so you can build a thriving consulting business. Check out the show notes for presentations and handouts as we go deep into the rabbit hole of consulting. Let's get started. Today's topic, as you know, is the fundamentals of demand generation. Demand generation is one of my favorite topics. It's the it's the core of what I do and how I help my my clients. And uh, let me just pull up today's note. So, again, some of you know me. I see some new faces as well. So, my name is Fahim Musa. I'm a former management consultant. I founded a management consulting business in 2009 here in Toronto, focused on strategic planning. And I've served served many types of businesses, many types of industries, more than 30 different industries. Served small business clients, mid-sized clients, large corporations, including Fortune 100, Fortune 500, and also worked in corporate consulting before starting my own consulting firm. And, you know, I've worked across industries and types of organizations, but I ended up specializing in strategic and business planning for academic researchers and innovators. More on that a little later. But yeah, that's that's my background. And what I do now is I help management consultants, whether that's independent consultants or consultant consulting firms to build a sales pipeline and grow their business, specifically add 100K to, to, to 500K and beyond within 12 months in revenue. Okay. So what I'd like you to do, as always, if you've been to my events before, you know that I like to have you folks type in the chat and let me know what your market is, what type of consulting you do and what your market is. And depending on, you know, what I'm speaking about, I can pick those, pick up, pick those examples and talk about, talk about them. So go ahead and, and do that. Cool. Thanks, Peter. So type in the chat, Peter. What exactly do you mean when you say a recruitment transformation? I mean, I know what you do. I, I know you from before. So for the folks in the, in the audience, type in the chat what you mean by recruit, recruitment transformation. All right. So, so when it comes to demand generation, I, I want to talk about the fundamentals of demand generation, of course. But in the, in the end, I also want to spend a little time, maybe two to five minutes on talking about a new initiative that uh, it's a new event that I am hosting from the 17th through the 20th of this month. And uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that. It's related to demand generation. So, you know, we'll get to that in the end, but let's get, let's start with the fundamentals first. Okay. Here's the thing. Like every time I speak with clients these days, I don't know what it is like, not just clients, but prospects as well. Like uh, certain themes keep coming up, you know, I've sent in a proposal. It's taking too long. They've, the procurement is sitting with it and, you know, they're, they're evaluating it, et cetera, et cetera. Clients are taking long to pay invoices. I can't get through to the finance director. The CEO is, is out of town. He's traveling, but you know, my invoices are not being paid and it's like, like tens of thousands of dollars. People are talking about the economy as well you know, not very confident, some of them at least. People love talking about the economy, by the way. Not talking, not, not, not you know, seeing when or where things are going to land up with the economy, rising expenses. 
And here's the other thing people are, you know, love to talk about is LinkedIn's plummeting reach. If you folks are content creators on LinkedIn, you will have noticed that the reach has, has, has drastically dropped. Mine has more than like, you know, I would say over the, over the past few months, it's more than 80%, right? But that's what happens when you, you know, when you're part of social networks, there's, there's, but there's always ways to kind of work around that. My LinkedIn reach has dropped, but my, my business has not been affected that badly. Right. So it's not like, you know, if something goes wrong with, 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 you know, social networks reach, you know, that means that, you know, there's no hope. There, there are other ways you can use LinkedIn in other ways that can, you know, help you land more sales opportunities. So that's what, that's another thing, LinkedIn. And then there's all this talk about, you know, and I, I don't, I don't particularly like these, this conversation about AI and I liked it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious about the technology and I, I, I like what, you know, the innovation that's going on, but it just seems to me that there's so much talk about it. And then because of this company, open AI, anybody can use their technology and create AI related apps, right? So every, everywhere you go, you, you see different startups using, you know, that technology to create different types of apps and everybody's marketing it and, and talking about it. And you just feel so inundated with AI related content, right? So all that's happening and it just gives people the feeling that there's just too many things going on. And actually there are, there are too many things going on. And it's important to kind of, you know, ground yourself and really look at the situation from a 30,000 foot view and say, okay, what's going on and what can I do? So every now and then I get this feeling in my business that look, maybe I've just signed my last client. I don't know where my next client is going to come from. Anybody have that feeling? I've been in business for for about 14 years now. And every now and then I I think about that because, because of all these things going on, because of all these external stimuli, right? So whenever that happens, I like, as I mentioned in my email, I love going back to fundamentals and looking at my business and trying to figure out, you know, making sure that my basics are covered. And that's what we want to talk about. And when I say basics, I want to make sure that I have a business that people want, right? That's, that's, the, that's, that's as basic as you can get. You want to create something that is in demand, that people actively want, actively searching for, and they're willing and able to pay you for right? And that's what we want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about today is how do you, what questions do you ask to ensure that you have something that is in demand and people will be willing to pay for, okay? So demand generation is not a complicated concept, okay? I'm not going to, you know, to me, to me, what I'm going to talk about today is is pretty basic. I don't want to inundate you with a lot of information. You know, I've got some feedback that some of these sessions of, that I host, there's, there's a lot of information, right? And I get that, I get that. But, uh, you know, today what I, what I want to do is I, I want to keep it very simple, right? And talk about seven topics, seven parts. There's essentially seven parts to the fundamentals of, of demand. Okay, and I want to go through each of those parts 
and talk about an example that you know will help you kind of think about demand uh, you know in a, in, a, in a better way and hopefully it, it it resonates okay before that i want to share my screen and show you something which is super important for before we talk about the fundamentals okay so you should be seeing my screen do you, do you guys see a pyramid just type in the chat if you do and for those of you who are listening to the recording on the podcast you'll you'll have a link to the visuals okay or the youtube channel where you can go in and and check it out so this is the 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 demand generation pyramid it's taken from a book called the ultimate sales machine by chet holmes and essentially what it is it is it talks about the buying phases of your clients and your market okay any market that you look look at whether it's consulting or whether you're buying you know candy right any market that you look at buyers in that market going to go through some type of a buying journey okay and i'll quickly talk about this with an example the 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 concept of a buying journey is that you know in any given market not everyone is in the market right now to to purchase your services let me just take a quick look at the comments i hope you can see yes so thanks for your confirmation so in any given market like i said not everybody is in the market to buy your services and sorry about this I'm just trying to play around with this slide in so 3% of the market is in buying mode which means that you know out of 100 people three people are out with their check checkbooks looking to hire a vendor okay 7% of the market is open to buying okay but not actively looking they're not they're not like you know out with their checkbooks trying to find a vendor but they're open to it then you have three ch chunks of 30% of the market right that's uh, that's 90 90% of, of of the market one one section 130% is not thinking about it right now the other 30% is they think they're not interested and the final 30% is you know they know they're not interested i'll give you a simple example of how this works you know let's look at the car buying market let's say someone is you know there's a there's a dealership they're selling cars okay so in the car buying market look at the bottom 30% in the pyramid the bottom 30% know they aren't interested so if someone's bought a car in the last you know a few months they know that they're not interested in buying another car okay they may be part of the market right they could potentially buy a car later right but right now they're not in the market they just purchased a car for example and they know 100% for sure that they're not interested okay the other the next 30% from the bottom is they think they're not interested okay they've considered it and they've rationalized in their heads saying that you know i'm okay taking the subway i don't need a car traffic's too much they've rationalized in their heads and they've talked about you know they've they've convinced themselves that they aren't interested that's a big chunk of the market 30% okay then there's the other 30% right that is not thinking about it right they are they may need it it may make sense for them but currently they may be dealing with other priorities maybe they're trying to you know save up money to put their kids in college so they're okay with you know using the car that they have or they're okay with using other types of trans tra transportation okay so they're not thinking about it right now then there's a 7% 
that is open to buying. Okay, they're open to buying, but they're not actively looking. Maybe they know, they know, they, they started their car, the ignition wasn't working one day, or the wipers are gone. They realize, okay, it's been five years since I bought a car, and so this thing is, 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 is pretty old. Maybe I should, you know, consider it. And they, maybe they're talking to, to their friends, asking people, you know, what's a good car to buy. They're passively looking at, you know, some websites of cars, but they're not going into dealership yet. Okay, they're open to buying, but they're not test driving and going into dealerships and, you know, checking out features of, of different cars, right? The ones who do that are those, that, that 3%, right? 3% of the market is actively looking. They're going into dealerships. They know they want to buy a car. They're, they got their finances ready. They've got their down payment. They know which bank they're going to go to. And they're test driving and they're watching YouTube videos, comparing different, different cars and so on and want to make a decision okay so that happens in every market okay and this is based on research done by chet holmes pick up that book ultimate sales machine if you haven't it's a, it's a good book i recommend it okay I, so Fahim, excuse me i have one question how recent is this book mm -hmm. and do you think it will have been th these numbers will have been impacted by covid no, I think that it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, accurate in my estimation, at least in my you know, experience, at least. I don't think uh -huh. it's, it's, it's impacted by COVID because I think that this is, you know, this is like a human thing, right? Like not, not out of every hundred people, not everybody's going to be, you know, interested and some people are going to be in different stages. That's why I gave you the example of, of buying a car, because most of us have been in that situation before. And you know that, you know, you go through a journey. It's not like you wake up one day and you say, okay, I want to buy a car. And it's not like you're always buying a car, right? If you're always in the market for a car, you'll be buying a car every day, right? So that, that's, that's, that's the reason I, I chose this example so that it's, it, it resonates. But to answer your question, Katie, it's a good one. I don't think COVID has impacted it, okay? So any questions on that? Can we move on? Because I've got some other things to cover. So if you, if you have any questions, just keep typing in the chat and I'll take it up. So Peter says, what if you're offering a new process that people need and don't know about? Let me just, we'll take that up a little later, Peter, if you don't mind, okay? So let's get to the seven parts of creating demand, okay? Part, uh, topic one is, or question one is, you know, who is your ideal client? This is basic. It's one, it's one-on-one, right? But be that as it may, this is one of the biggest mistakes or, or pieces that, 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 that um, consultants avoid. And they don't do it willfully. They just, either they don't know how important it is, or they simply don't know how to define an ideal client you know one of my mentors told me back in the day that if you want to double your income double your understanding of who you serve you know it's it was so powerful for me that i've never i never forgot that quote and he just said it offhand but i, I remember it so so this so so distinctly if you want to double your income double your understanding of who you serve Right, and that's what we're going to talk about today about understanding who you serve. But the first thing is you want to define your ideal client. If you look at the, the YouTube channel and you look at 
the, the consulting growth hour channel. I've talked about this at length in different videos, right? In videos about marketing strategy, in video about, you know, specialization, how to choose your, how to create your client avatar and how do you, how do you think about, you know, your ideal client. So if you are interested, just take a look at those, take a look at my YouTube channel. And I don't remember the, the exact episode number, but send me a note if you want me to check it out and let you know which session to, to, to go take a, to go take a listen at or to get, take a look at, I beg your pardon. But because, because this topic is, is so important that I can't cover it in a few minutes, right? But you just know that, you know, demand starts with a very, very deep understanding of your ideal client, right? That is fundamental. And it's not just about your ideal client or your buyer, okay? It's not about just your buyer. The second, you know, part of demand generation is who influences decisions made by your clients, right? In, in typical, you know, buying scenarios, especially when you're selling something high ticket, a few thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or more than that, you know, there are multiple decision makers in a deal, right? So it's not just about the final buyer, it's about who influences the buyer as well. A lot of the times, you know, in a large deal, a C-level executive in B2B may be the final sign-off or the sponsor of a project or, you know, you know, the ultimate buyer. But it doesn't mean that, you know, there's, there, are, there are no other people influencing that decision. You know, there may be other people like some, kind of, some, some VP in, in a department or a director, or it could be someone from, you know, even middle management that understands the core problem that they're, they're hiring for, hiring consultants for, and, you know, recommends somebody, recommends a consultant. So you want to know who influences decisions in a in an organization and what that buying process is you know oftentimes we we don't do our due diligence about that right so before we get into kind of demand and how to how to create something that people want you want to really understand you know how decisions are made right so let me just look at okay so Katie, you're a public speaking coach. We talked about your business in, a, in a, one of the previous episodes. So I'm, I'm just going to go with Ryan here, who says he's an operations and technology consulting to, consultant for small business. So with ops and technology for small business, typically I'm going to make the assumption that you may be speaking to owners of businesses or perhaps a couple of partners, right? So if there are two partners in a, in a, in a business, then they're both you know, decision makers, they have, they may have influence over one another as well. But even beyond that, they may be, they may be a general manager in that business or some other type of executive that is closer to, to the problem. Let's say if, you know, if you do technology consulting for small business, then if that small business has some kind of an IT guy or IT director in that business, and that, that person becomes an influencer. Right, because in all likelihood, that person is going to be part of the the, the purchase, part of the of the buying process, right? So you want to understand who in the business, who in your client's organ client organization 
is not just the buyer, but the influencer as well. Okay. So that's the second piece of demand. Now, the next five parts of the fundamentals of demand, we're going to be talking about communication. You know, demand and creating demand and generating demand is all about communication. It's, it's, yes, it's about understanding who you're understanding your, your ideal client, but it's also about, you know, then communicating to your market about, you know, your understanding of the market and that you get it and, you know, creating that empathy and having people know that, yes, you know what, this person gets it. He, they, he or she knows my situation, knows my problems. Okay. So the third piece of the fundamentals of demand, I like to call this problems they don't know about, right? You want to really understand and communicate to your clients or to your market, communicate, talk about problems that your market may not be knowing about, may not, may not currently know about, right? Because when somebody tells you, an expert tells you about something that, and points, points a uh, sheds light on a piece of information that you did not previously have, they value that and they begin to trust you. And, you know, in our business, trust is, you know, is, 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 is huge currency, right? So you want to highlight problems that your market may not know about. Okay. I'll give you an example because this, I know, I know this is a, this is a, a theor theoretical concept, right? So let me give you an example. So in, in, my, in, a, in my previous life, when I, was, when I ran my management consulting business, we focused on serving academic researchers at large universities. Researchers, they thought at, uh, they, were, they were teachers, they were professors at university, but they also had businesses on the side. I'm talking about these, the, the science-based researchers and, and, and professors who were always experimenting, coming up with new ideas. They had you know, businesses on the side that they wanted to commercialize. And we helped universities commercialize and, you know, launch those businesses, right? Now, these folks, what they, they always had ideas in their heads. And because by virtue of being, you know, in academia, they had access to various grants, government grants, you know, federal government grants, provincial government grants, where the government would just give them money to launch their businesses, right? And the problem was that these folks, a lot of them did not know that if they didn't launch their business at a specific, within a specific period, they would lose their grants, right? They weren't thinking about that. But when we highlighted that, right, because we knew the, the types of grants that they applied for, and each grant would have the, its own rules and regulations and so on. And a lot of these folks were not aware of the, you know, what those what, what they got into and what and what those grants entailed and they were at the risk of losing that money if they didn't launch the business within a specific period of time but now what we would do as marketers we would go in and un, and you know understand what grants they've received and we would study those grants and we would shed light on the fact that you know here are the rules here's what you need to be doing if you don't spend x dollars by x date you lose x percentage Right. So here's what's at stake. And when these folks, you know, heard these things from us, 
they really valued that information. You know, it was an example. This is an example of us shedding light on problems they didn't know about, right? And when you do that, you immediately, you know, rise in terms of trust, you know, vis-a-vis -vis the other person. They, they see you and they say, okay, this person knows what he's talking about. Katie, you have a question. Yes. Did it surprise you that people at this level of academia had overlooked something so very basic? Yes, that's a good question. Yes, it, it did surprise us. But but here's the thing. I mean, you know, the grants, when their people applied for them, they didn't read the fine print, you see? And at that point in time, it was easy to get grants. These were government grants, and these are professors in large public universities. They had the credibility, and so they could raise the money. But then, you know, it, would easy, it was easy to lose the money as well. And once you lose the money, yes, you can apply for another grant, but it takes time, right? It would take government grants take time to get, and they're, they're lengthy applications, and they take time to kind of get approved. So there's a lot of time lost along with the money as well. But yes, it was a surprise to us, but then... You know, we understood the reasons why it happened and we shed light on that and they appreciated us. Like even, you know, I'll give you another example. When a, the other day, a plumber, we, we called a plumber to our place. We had to fix a faucet and then he checked out the faucet and, you know, he checked the, the entire system out. And then he, he pointed something else out. He said that, you know, there was, there's, there's some wood paneling in our bathroom and he pointed it out and saying that, you know, this is at, this is at risk for, you know, certain reasons. And you might want to check this out because this can lead to bigger leaks and so on and so forth, right? So he highlighted a problem that we had no idea about, right? And immediately what happened was my level of trust, you know, increased because he was not trying to sell me anything. He was just trying to look out for my best interests, right? And it turned out that, yes, we had to change that, that piece. And I, who, who do you think I ended up calling? Like I ended up calling this person to work with another service provider to, to fix this mess, right? So that happens. So think about your life as well when somebody sheds light on something else that may, may hurt you in the future, you tend to kind of trust that person and you, the likelihood that you may hire that person for, for some work of any kind you know, increases, right? So shedding light on problems that they may not know about is a huge point of the the, the, the whole business of generating demand, right? Let's, let's go to the fourth piece. This one is called consequences of the status quo. When, you, when you're generating demand for your consulting services, right? You want to highlight what may happen if your buyers do nothing. What are the consequences of doing nothing and not hiring or not fixing this problem that they're facing, right? Whatever issue that you're going in to serve. Like for example, Katie, you said you're a public speaking coach, right? What happens when people don't fix their public speaking issues, right? They may not, they may not, they may be at risk of losing, you know, not being able to raise funds, for example, if they're in that, if that's what they, their, their goals are. They may not be, they may, they may run the risk of not getting that promotion or not getting, you know, moving up the corporate ladder, for example, right? I'm just making stuff up. But these could be, these, these are consequences of not, of not fixing the problem that they have, right? So exactly. you want to talk about that. 
and here's the thing like think about that that demand pyramid again right there are a certain percentage there's a certain percentage of the market that is simply rationalized in their heads and think that they don't need what you're offering because you know they've got they've already you know have a plan to fix it or they fix it in another way right but you want to go in and highlight the consequences because a lot of people buyers and, and human beings in general we don't think through our problems and we don't think through fully what the consequences are of not changing or not taking action and fixing the problem right so think about in in your market what are the consequences of in not doing anything from a from a bias perspective what's uh, what's going to happen right I, I was talking to a client recently and i asked him this question you know what are the consequences of your buyers not taking any action and he hadn't thought about it he don't know he said i don't know i, I haven't asked my buyers about this so then he had a conversation with a ceo he was serving ceos as a consultant and he asked the ceo what is you know what happens if you don't if you if you do nothing in your in your company like if you, if you don't fix this problem and the ceo's response was you know the biggest consequence is that the market leaves us behind because things are changing so fast and the ceo said something which was very telling he said that you know i don't want in the next five years to be having you know a cocktail with with, the, with some of my peers and talking about this age this this period time period in, in time where so many things are changing in our industry and being asked the question where were you when that when all that happened right that's the that's the consequence of you know not fixing this problem today so when you really think about what your buyers are going through and what the consequences are of doing nothing and, and then you use that in your messaging and you use that in conversations with buyers it can be really powerful it's a it's a really powerful driver of of demand then people are going to think that yes you know what i didn't think of that i, I don't think of it that way i didn't think of it that way so maybe i should fix this problem today right so you want to be you want to really understand your market so that you can tell them that look if you don't fix this problem here's what's going to happen here's what might happen right and here's what you should consider because these things might happen and think about it right so you want to be really clear about that consequences of the status quo in with with from the perspective of your buyers okay now let's move on to the fifth piece which is opportunity costs right opportunity costs are again one of those things that people don't think about because they're not losing anything today right opportunity costs about are you know about you know what they might lose out what the good things that they might lose out or big outcomes that they might lose out on in the future right if they do if they do nothing you know in the previous part we talked about consequences those are like the negative things that may happen now we're talking about opportunity cost like what dream outcomes that you know they may be losing out on if they don't do nothing today right i always tell consultants right you folks you'll see this in my marketing as well that you know if you don't build a sales and marketing pipeline for your business if you don't take the time to understand the language of marketing and the language of sales which are not very complicated it's based on you know human communication and human desires 
if you don't take the time to learn this stuff, then what may happen, I mean, what you may lose out on is that you may lose out on attracting your dream clients, right? Your competitors are going to take your dream clients away and you may, you know, lose out on amazing or, you know, high fees, amazing high fee clients that may simply not come your way. They may not, you may be perfect for them, but then if you're not actively out there marketing, prospecting and, and attracting those clients, then they may never meet you, right? That's an opportunity cost. What if you could get a client that pays you four times, then you're getting paid today, right? What would that do for your profit margin? What would that do for your business? Could you use those extra, uh, the extra profit to hire better people, right? And grow your business? Could you use the extra profit to put into your retirement fund? Could you use the extra profit to put your kids through college? or care for a loved one? Or could you use that extra profit and the extra, and could you build a business model in your consulting business and drive up the value of your business and sell the business someday, right? Those are opportunity costs. And the, those are things that, would, that, that you may lose out on if you do not take sales and marketing seriously, right? Assuming that you want to grow the business. Now, there are a lot of consultants that you know, are happy with the way they are right now. They don't want to grow and they want to maintain the, their revenue. And that's perfectly fine. That depends on your goals. But if you want to grow and you, if you're ambitious about you know, moving forward, then you want to make sure that you take sales and marketing seriously. Right? So those are opportunity costs. Okay. So that's part five. Now let's move on to part six. And again, I want to say that if you have questions, just type in the chat and we're going we're gonna to come back and I'll come back and I'll look at the chat, answer the questions. Okay, so let's move on to part six, which part six of the fundamentals of demand generation, which is, you know, highlighting big results that are possible to achieve. Now, again, you want to articulate big results that are really possible to achieve. Because, you know, a lot of the times on market, they don't think about, they don't have a clear understanding of what is possible. You know, it, 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 it sounds so basic. It sounds so silly to think about the fact that we may have buyers in the market who simply don't know what is possible. I mean, these are the folks that are going to pay us but they don't know the possibilities of you know, what types of results you can, they, they can achieve, right? So you want to be able to highlight what those big results are, right? And I, and I like to think about results in four ways, right? What can they win? What can they retrieve? What can they escape from? And what can they stop happening? So let me just elaborate on those. When you think about big results and outcomes, you know, always think about win, retrieve, escape, and stop, right? You don't have to kind of encapsulate your, the, the results using all four parameters, but wherever it makes sense, okay? So let me give you some examples. So think about, let, let's use win, okay? To, to articulate an outcome, a big result, think about, okay, what 
is the buyer winning? What can they win? Okay. And in business, you can always, I mean, it always somehow comes down to just a few things. It comes down to revenue and profitability, increase your revenue, increase your profitability. I mean, there are more better ways to communicate that, but I'm just giving you an overview here. Win wins in business come down to revenue and profitability, cost reduction, right? Which is again leads to leads to higher profit, can lead to can lead to higher profit. Okay. Employee reducing employee attrition, right? Or increasing employee retention. That's another big business outcome. So depending on your business, right? Think about you know outcomes that clients can uh, can have. Let me just take an example here. So I talked about Ryan. So Wakar said tax AML, which I believe is anti-money laundering and strategic management. So Wakar, if you are a tax consultant, then perhaps, you know, a big win for your clients would be in showing them ways that they can, you know, pay less tax, hopefully legitimately, <laughs> you know, and that those are big wins. That's a, that's a huge, huge win. Anti-money laundering, maybe if you're if you do anti-money money laundering, you serve banks. So you can talk about, you know, how you can reduce the risk of, of AML and what that does, what that will do for the client, and so on. Strategic management, I mean, there are lots of things that that could mean. The, the strategic management is a big term, so I don't, I'm not I'm not gonna get into specifics, but hopefully for, for the tax and AML, you can think about what the client can win okay you've, you've you've posted a comment saying that the biggest win is having compliance right if if a company is compliant with you know all the tax laws of a specific region or you know country then that means they no no hi mohan you you've got to mute i think i think i think that's you so please mute unless you're asking me a question if you're asking a question, then, then go ahead and ask a question. If not, then please mute. But I'm just going to get back to Wakar. So if the biggest win is having compliance, having a business that's tax compliant, that means you are mitigating a lot of risk in that company. And that could lead to, you know, savings, more opportunities, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. All right. So that's an example of a win. Now think about another, think about the, the, the next element in that framework. We talked about win, retrieve, escape, and stop as a framework to define or describe an outcome. We talked about win. Now let's talk about retrieve. Like, you know, this is an important piece because when you lose something, getting it back somehow feels more valuable to you, right? If you have, if you like cars, for example, and you have a Porsche and you lose that, that car, getting it back is more meaningful to you because you've lost something, you've had it. But if I tell you that, you know what, do this for me, do this big thing for me, and I mean, you're going to get to win a Porsche, that somehow does not feel as valuable. I mean, of course, it, it could be valuable, it is valuable, but not as valuable as, you know, having something and then losing it. So companies and, and, you know, businesses often lose things that they want back. For example, you know, reputation. Something may happen and they may lose their brand reputation. Like these things happen with, with car companies and, you know, consumer goods companies where something goes wrong and there's a quality problem, there's a, there's a callback and so on, and they lose a little bit of their reputation. So 
you know, if you can, if a consultant can help organizations win back something that they lost, that's a huge outcome. Okay. Think about that. Let's move on. The next piece is escape, right? What can you help companies escape from, right? Maybe there's a new regulation coming up, right? Okay. Let's use the Bokar's example, right? Like you talked about you're a tax consultant and the biggest outcome is compliance, right? So you can help your organizations escape from, you know, future fines from regulators for being non-compliant, right? If you're a non-compliant business, you may get fines and penalties and so on, depending on, you know, whoever the, the regulator is or the government agency is. But if you have a compliant business, then you can escape from all that. Okay. That's, that's a huge outcome as well. And finally, what can you stop happening from happening, right? Let's say you're, you're, your client organization or your market is losing a lot of employees, right? They are, there's employees are kind of just quitting in five months or six months. And that, that, that that's causing a huge problem. So can you, if you're, let's say an employee engagement consultant, can you go in and say, okay, I am, I, we're, we're going to help you stop the attrition and increase retention. What's that worth to you? Right? So think about in your business, what, what, what can you help stop happening? Again, like I mentioned, you don't have to use all of these elements in at all at the same time. Just use whatever makes sense for you, you see? But these are four elements you can, elements you can choose from to describe the outcome, the dream outcome that you are bringing in place for your buyers. All right. So... That's, that was part of number six, which is big results that are possible to achieve. Okay. But type in the chat and just let me know if this is useful or is it too much information? If it's too much information, then, you know, maybe I have to go back and, and, and figure out, okay, how do I parse all of the, all of my data that I have for future, you know, sessions, but let me know if this is, this is helpful. Okay. Thank you, Ryan. Let's go to the final element. Okay which is how your solution can help, right? Yeah, you're talking about problems they don't know about. You're talking about consequences. You're talking about, you know, opportunity costs. Then you're talking about outcomes. But, you know, you also want to communicate how your solution can help, okay? Because we're all salespeople. We're all marketers. We have something that we, we know that can be helpful and useful for our market. So we want to tell people about it, right? If you have something that's good, tell people about it. You want to kind of not be, not be shy about that. A lot of us are shy, right? Like we're not from the world of sales. We're not natural marketers. You know, for me too, I'm, I'm by far an introvert. I'm not a natural salesperson. But I realized over the years that, you know, through a lot of coaching and mentoring and training that you don't have to be a fast talker or an extrovert to be to understand marketing to understand sales sales and marketing is is more about you know understanding human psychology than it is about knowing how to talk fast and knowing how to like talk you know a lot so where where i was going with this is i i i was saying that if you have something that is valuable that you know is going to really help your market then you shouldn't be shy in talking about it, right? So how does your solution help? 
talk about how your solution helps and you know talk about it in the context of all of these other elements like you know in terms of how it solves problems that they may not know about how it prevents consequences of the status quo how it you know helps you avoid those costly opportunities in the future how it will help you achieve those big results right here's the path of you know use use our services and here's how you can achieve those big results right and here's the thing you also want to talk about you know apart from all of these things when you talk about your solution right you also want to talk about you know how long this is going to take because time is a big factor in terms of people making a decision and going with you they want to know how long it takes if you're going to say that you know i'll give you all these great things but it's going to take you five years that's not very valuable is it so you want to you want to talk about how long this will take you also want to talk about you know how much effort is required from the client right the lesser the effort that the client needs to make the more valuable your solution becomes for them right you don't want to tell the client that look i'm going to bring this amazing it solution to you but you've got to be you've got to give me 50 percent of your time for the next six months and that's not very valuable right so you want to talk about how long how much effort the client needs to put in right when you talk about your solution and you also want to talk about why should anyone believe you right you you're you're talking about how great the solution is but why should anybody believe you and to kind of cover that question you want to share case studies of of a previous client or if it's something new then you want to be you're sharing something an example of you know how you did this as an employee in a past life right i mean if you're a consultant you've got an expertise in what you're doing right so you've got to share with your market that look you've done this before and here are the results here are the real results that people have gotten out of it right you want to share testimonials if you have them so you want to cover that question about you know why should anybody believe you right when you talk about your solution so you know when you communicate all of these things to your market right these all they're not like I mean, if you if you really think about what I've talked about over in past over the past forty five minutes, these are basic issues of communication, right? They're just they're not major business topics. They're not technical business topics. This is about human communication. Creating something that people want is about understanding what they need, and then you know putting a solution together and then communicating that solution uh, so that people people get it right and and articulating that solution in a way that resonates with with your constituents with your market right so this is this is creating demand is more about understanding people than it is about you know some fancy business stuff right like most of you may not have had formal business training or formal sales training or formal marketing training but you don't need that because it's about human emotions it's about human wants and needs and desires and fears and so on right that's what that's an under that that's an, that's the understanding that you need in order to be a good marketer a good, good salesperson and to generate demand for your consulting services all right so 
I just want to go back. So that's the end of those end of my presentation. I want to go back and see if I've got any questions. And if you still have questions, please pop them in the, in the chat. I am still looking at them. Peter says, what if you're offering a new process that people need and know, don't know about? I mean, there's, that's all the more reason to make your case, right? I mean, demand generation is about making a compelling case, right? In all of these elements that I talked about, there's only one element that talks about you and your solution. That's in the end. All of the others is about, you know, what the other person is going through. So even if your offering is new, you want to be sure that you are, you've got all the, the boxes ticked in terms of understanding what your market is going through, right? What are the problems they're going through and what, what, what don't they know about, right? That you can shed light on. What are the consequences of doing nothing? What are the opportunity costs? What are the big results that they can achieve, right? If they, if they do things a different way, and then you're gonna introduce a solution and saying that, look, this is exactly what can help you and here's how this is going to work, right? So whether you're offering something new and you know people need, but they don't know about, I mean, it's the same process. You've got to make a compelling case using these elements of, of demand. All right. So just looking for other questions. Any more questions in the comments? So Rohit says, I wish that there were a corresponding slide deck. You know, Rohit, I, that's a good question. The thing is, I like to do these sessions on a you know bi-weekly basis mostly right if i don't do it on a bi-weekly basis continuously then I'll, there'll be you know consecutive sessions in some weeks so I, I do about 50 sessions of these a year and for me to make a slide deck for each of these sessions is an obstacle like the minute i think that i'm going to you know i'll put it in a slide deck it's going to kind of you know take a lot of my time and that means I'm not going to be creating more and more of these sessions. So an alternative to that is that you have the recording of this session. It's free. It's on YouTube and anybody can access it. So if you want to go back, you can also kind of look at the, the captions of the, at the transcript that YouTube provides. Okay. So I hope that clarifies that. And some presentations, some, some of these presentations where I, where I know I need slides, accompanying slides, I will use them, but I like to kind of do them without any accompanying visuals because it's just easier for me <laughs> okay i hope that makes sense so ryan says i regularly ask myself the question would i purchase my own services if they were offered to me why or why not great question it helps to make sure you frame it from for, uh, frame it for your prospective client versus from my own perspective that's a great question that's a, that's a good tip cool Chat GPT coming to your rescue. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. Rhodes says that, yes, Chat GPT can help you put together presentations. Possibly, yeah. But then, you know, again, I'll have to like sit and type everything properly. Right now, what I do is I open a Google a doc. I just type some notes, a couple of words as examples, and, you know, just talk. But, but yeah, I think that if there's an AI tool that can help me help put this together and, you know, possibly with some, with some deep fake technology so I can, you know, not be here while I do the presentation. <laughs> no, that would be, that would be cool. 
anyway, so we have a couple of minutes left, and I and I just want to you know show you show you show you guys something. Next week, what I'm doing is I'm not next week. It's the, the week of the 17th through the 20th. I'm putting together something called the Consulting Demand Generation Summit. You should see it on your screens right now. So what this is, it's a, a series of interviews for, for consultants. And these interviews are, you know, I've got 16 experts talking about various topics about demand generation. We talked about today the fundamentals of demand generation. Now, what you need is you need to go out there and be in front of your audience and generate that demand, right? So we're going to be talking about channels, where to go. We're going to be talking about approaches. And we're also going to be talking about mindset because you need the right mindset in order to go out and access your clients, your potential clients, and generate demand. So let me just give you a, a quick sneak peek, and I'll send you the link. I'm going to attach, I'm going to send you the link so that you can sign up and it's free. The speakers, we've got, you know, David Breyer, he is a branding expert. We've got Shadid Eliezer, who's, he talks about how you can use licensing to generate demand and get new clients, corporate clients. Ryan Paul Gibson, he talks about how to research your market, right? You want to research your market to understand all of these elements. So Ryan's going to talk about that. Dan Janel is going to talk about how to create, how to write a book to access your market and grow your influence. Dan Sanchez is going to be talking about how to grow an audience. Max Trailer, he also serves consultants. He's going to be talking about how to be more creative have more energy and avoid burnout in the context of running a consulting business. Kathy Burns too is going to be talking about, you know, how to organize your day because generating demand means that you're going to be doing client work as, as a consultant and prospecting and, and generating, creating demand at the same time. How do you do that? John Aspirian is a, is a LinkedIn consultant. He's going to, he's going to be talking about, talking about how to use LinkedIn and, all the new changes that LinkedIn has. Rob is going to be talking about joint ventures and partnerships. Eric Johnson, how to use a podcast to, to generate demand. Steve Sloan White is a cold prospecting co coach, right? So how do you write emails? I'm not, I'm, I've always been a cold prospecting skeptic when it comes to consulting, but I respect Steve a lot. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to writing emails. I think writing is a very, very important skill as a consultant. And, you know, so I invited him to talk about it. Ramesh is going to be talking about mindset. How do you, you know, most of us have worked in corporate. How do you move from a corporate mindset or an employee mindset to a business owner mindset? Jay Fairbrother, scaling a consulting business. Stu Hynek is going to be talking about direct outreach and also how to grow your business like a weed, which is, you know, his, the title of his book. Christopher Salem is going to be talking about, you know, how to use speaking, you know, as a channel and get more speaking gigs so that you can spread your word, spread the word about your business. And finally, Bryn is also a LinkedIn expert. And I was once, you know, part of a community and she's going to be talking about how to generate referrals and warm introductions on using LinkedIn, right? That also is a demand generation activity, right? 
So I'm going to drop the comment. I'm going to drop the the link in the comments. Please go ahead and sign up because it's free, and you can choose you know which talks you want to come to, or you can attend all of them. It's through four four days, and it will be very valuable to all of you if you're interested in creating demand. All right, folks, thank you so much. Do you have any questions or comments? If yes, post in the chat. If not, I will see you on the 17th on day one of the Consulting Demand Generation Summit. The link car is in the, in the oh, I've, I've posted it by mistake to one individual. So I'm going to post the link again. So you'll see the link in the, in the comments. Please go ahead and, and sign up. And I'll see you on the 17th. All right, folks, thank thanks for you. you. Thanks for your attention. Yeah, thank you. And have a great rest of the week and weekend. Bye. Thanks for listening right to the end. I appreciate your time. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and connect with me and say hi on LinkedIn. For video replays of these sessions, check out our YouTube channel. And most importantly, join us live to get all your questions answered at Consulting Growth Hour Live. All details in the show notes. See you next time.